Non, c'est ce que je disais. Vous le voyez, c'est bâti, c'est de la blague. Après tout, tout est beau. Il n'y a qu'à s'intéresser aux choses et les trouver belles. Time has come. Catherine Bigelow. This and some of the other nice things that have happened to me in the last couple of days may turn me into some sort of hopeful optimist and ruin my whole life. Spoil. I remember quite clearly, it was 1946, and I was four years old, my mother took me to see King Vidor's Duel in the Sun. All I know is that first, you've got to get mad. You've got to say, I'm a human being. God damn it! My life has value! Babel, Alejandro González Iñárritu. Uh, I'm a man. Well, nobody's perfect. Al film italiano Deserto Rosso di Michelangelo. It's just that all men are sure it never happened to them, and most women at one time or another have done it, so you do the math. Three artists in the presentation of the Palm d'Or. Adele, Leia, and Abdel, Afid, Kenshin. What are these? Here in Greece, I want to live. I'll give you. Hi everybody, welcome to the Filmotomy podcast. This is episode 59 and today's a special podcast because we're talking all about Australia. Uh, why, is, why are we doing this? Doug, you're our uh, Aussie expert. <laughs> What's well, the, the yeah, reason for this? The time would be the 26th of January each year is Australia Day. And that's, it's, I guess it's kind of similar to our 4th of July. It's our national day to celebrate our nation. And uh, we all get a public holiday and we all have a barbecue and everybody drapes themselves in the Australian flag. So it seemed only appropriate to dedicate a film or to be podcast to Australia and Australian cinema. I've been for a while to do it as well, haven't we? Yeah, yeah. Good, good timing. Yeah. I feel really good about this because you know we, this this is just like something I've never really discussed much about. So I'm hoping to get some really good recommendations from you, <laughs> Doug, on films to seek out. But before we uh, we go into what makes an Australian movie and uh, what films you recommend, I'm going to quiz you on how many of these uh, great uh, Australian movies you've seen. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. So, and if you haven't seen all of these, you're not <laughs> for Australia. Yeah. Hand, it, hand in my passport. <laughs> Come back to the UK. <laughs> uh, okay. So, first on the list, and now I'm taking this list from stuff.tv, and the, on the first is uh, The Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Ah, uh, yes. I love that film. I do. Yes. Classic. Yes. Really okay, so tick off what's one so far. There's 24 more to go. <laughs> um, well, look what the cat dragged in. What have we got here, eh? A couple of showgirls, have we? Where did you ladies come in from? Uranus? Could I please have a stop? No! You can't have... You can't have nothing. We've got nothing here for people like you. Nothing. Now listen here, you mullet. Why don't you just light your tampon and blow... 
blow your box apart because it's the only bang you're ever going to get, sweetheart. Next on the list is Mad Max. Yes, I've seen every Mad Max film. Even the third one? Yes, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> What's it called? Beyond, beyond the Thunderdome. Oh, is that the Tina Turner one, isn't it? Yeah. Song. Essa. We don't need another hero. <laughs> I like, I kind of like it in a really bad 80s film kind of way. It's so 80s. It's so, so <laughs> 80s. And, you know, I, I think that was the thing with Strange Cinema. We kind of lost our way a little bit in the 80s. So I'm not surprised that that kind of typifies Australian cinema <laughs> in the 1980s. But it's okay because the rest of cinema was pretty bad in the 80s. Yeah, yeah, that's it, it fit the world. <laughs> so next on the list is Rabbit Proof Fence. Well, yeah, that was definitely what I was going to suggest you guys seek out. I'm going to get to that in that, that uh, there's a whole bunch of films. They'll probably be on this list as well of uh, Aboriginal Indigenous films that focus on mm-hmm. Aboriginal people, and that's that's a, a great example of that that genre of Australian cinema. I, I haven't seen it, and I know that I'm supposed to have seen it, and I feel really <laughs> bad about that. But uh, I will be making up for lost time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, next on the list is Moulin Rouge. Um, oh yes, this, which is hard. I mean, that's yeah. it's hard to. Co- I know it's it's made by an Australian and it was filmed in Australia and blah blah blah. But obviously, it doesn't really tell an Australian story. But yes, it is. It is one of our films. <laughs> uh, next is Wolf Creek. Oh yes, <laughs> uh, I'm still traumatized by that film. I think a lot of people are. Mm. It's very, it's very scary. Just um, don't see the sequel. I does a sequel. Yeah, yeah. I it it didn't capture the world like the first one did and it's it's really quite bad. Oh, I definitely won't seek that one out. Yeah. <laughs> um Muriel's wedding. Oh yes. Muriel. Muriel. What a surprise. Rhonda, Mario Muriel's come to visit you. Actually, I've come to ask Rhonda if she wants to come back to Sydney. Put a taxi outside and two plane tickets, if you want to. What about your husband? He broke up. I knew it would What makes you think I'd go anywhere with you? Because I'm your friend. Muriel, you can't come barging in here without warning and trying to turn Rhonda against the people who love her. Against the people who were there for her when she needed them. Yes, she can. Sorry, Mum, you know I love you, but you drive me crazy. And you three, what a bunch of cocksuckers. I love me, I was ready. Come on. Yeah. I haven't actually seen that. Whoa. <gasps> oh, wow. You failed the quiz. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I'm not being quizzed here. I'm not the Australian. It's <laughs> a bloody good job, isn't it? It's a bloody good job. <laughs> if it was British film, then maybe, maybe. Okay, next on the list is Crocodile Dundee. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> we all kind of rejected that film just for for the the cultural impact it had on making us all look like insane crocodile hunters, which then Steve <laughs> this then Steve Irwin just made even worse. Um, next is Dark City. Oh yeah, that's a good one. That's a good sci-fi one. Ah, and next is Dead Calm. Ah oh, uh, yes, Philip Oh Nicole. So good. It's such a good film. Billy mm. is, is ace in that film. 
Oh, it's so scary. <laughs> it's so intense. I love it. Oh. Um, next is Romper Stomper. Ah, uh, yes. It gave us Russell Crowe, who is not technically Australian, but we claim him anyway. <laughs> except, except when he throws phones and does crazy things. Then he's New Zealand. <laughs> and sings, yeah. <laughs> Consistently sings. Strictly ballroom. Ah, yes. I love that. That's great. Baz Lerman. Yes, yes. Um, and then Chopper. Is it Chopper? Uh, mm-hmm. So that's, that was Eric Banner. Mm. And then... Intense movie. Yeah, I haven't seen it, but I, there's a lot of films on here that kind of are quite heavy. Yeah, we do heavy films quite well, particularly heavy films based on real... So that's based on a real-life sort of underworld uh, criminal, and, um, yeah, it's pretty intense. <laughs> What's going on here? Oh, no, she's sweet. Oh, Keithy seems to have done himself a mischief. Stay back, guys. Step back, keep everything. You all right, Keithy? Off you go, mate. Off to the sick bay. Ah, whinge, whinge, fucking whinge. Yeah, and then next is Gally Polly? Gally Polly? Polly. Gallipoli. Oh, wow, I'm bad at this, aren't I? (laughs) (laughs) That's Um, another thing we do. We do a lot of war films as well. That's, That's about, yeah, it's a war film with Mel Gibson. Yeah, I've just seen a picture of Mel Gibson. He's It looks so young. Young, young. Young Mel Gibson. Mm. Uh, next is Animal Kingdom. Oh, yeah. Another head film. <laughs> this is great. Very... Like a bunch of heavy films that introduced us to like, really good actors. Great actors. Yeah, that gave yeah, us And Jack, Jackie Weaver has been lost to us. She's now over in the States, appearing in terrible films like Bird Box. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? We Australian actors are both like British actors. They get snatched up and yeah. kidnapped in the States. We lose them. <laughs> yeah. Next is Somersault, which I am planning on seeing because I'm uh, sort of on one of my Around the World films. Yeah, that's a beautiful film. That Brilliant. that was um, uh, that gave us Abby Cornish, who is also now sort of off in the States as well. Um, yeah, beautiful film. And what's his face in it? It's only Avatar. Uh, Sam Worthington. Yeah, Sam Worthington. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Another, yeah. Yeah. Next is from 1971, and that's Walkabout. I think that's, a, yeah, that's another indigenous film. Jenny Agatha, yeah. Mm. And then it's 2005's The Proposition. Oh, yeah, another heavy film. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah, that's kind of a sort of Australian <laughs> Western... Um, yeah, great, very brutal, brutal, bloody film. And then next is Picnic at Hanging Rock. That's a classic. That's a classic. I, I remember seeing that as a youngster and it really, really unnerving me because it's very ethereal and very sort of creepy. And... Get on 12 o'clock. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you wouldn't have the time, I suppose, miss. Ah, Miranda, your pretty little diamond watch. Don't wear it anymore. Can't stand it ticking above my heart. Ah. <laughs> if it were mine, I'd wear it always. Even in the bar. <laughs> 
you, Mr. Hussey. Stopped at twelve. Never stopped before. Must be something magnetic. Well, after two, I'd say. We'd better be careful. Uh, I promised Mrs. Appleyard I'd have you a lot back at the college by eight. It was recently remade into a TV series, which wasn't particularly great, but it was, um, yeah, the original is fantastic. There's something about the Outback that really frightens me. <laughs> we don't portray it in a great way in our films. Between that and Wolf Creek, it's like, don't go to the Outback, guys. Yeah, but of course, I mean, I mean, Wolf Creek was based on a true, you know, some true events that, that a British tourist was was kidnapped and, and, and so there, there are some, yeah, there's some bad, bad people in the Outback. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's a bit, I mean, it's called the Outback. It's not the most exactly. sort of, like, nice, friendly, it's not, no. like, wonderful, happy place is what there's they could a, have there, called it. There's a reason we all live on the coast away from the Outback. <laughs> <laughs> and next on the list is from 2000, it's The Dish. Oh, yeah, that's a very cute film. It's a, bit, um, a comedy about uh, the guys that were responsible for running a big satellite dish that was uh, broadcast, helping to broadcast the first moon landing. And some mistakes happen, and it, it's very, very cute and very clever. It's the same people that did The Castle. Mm. I have a funny feeling I've seen this film, but you know when you, it's like you can vaguely remember it, and it's kind yeah. of like you think you've you know, when you think you've seen a film, but it turns <laughs> out you might have gotten it confused with a completely different film. But, I think uh, it, was, it was something that got a bit more sort of international attention because the castle had become kind of cult hit mm. in certain parts of the world, particularly in the UK. So I think the dish probably did get a bit of a bigger release and probably shows up on TV sort of randomly here and there, but it's, um, it's probably not as well known as the castle. Next up is another true crime film. <laughs> Seen the trailer and Snowtown. Oh God! <laughs> yeah, that's that's a that's a very very intense film based on a very very intense true story of um, some bodies and some barrels. It's all I can really say without spoiling too much. There is one particular scene, and I won't I won't spoil. There is one particular scene in in that that movie that that is very very uncomfortable to watch. And those who have seen it will know what I'm talking about. Oh, jeez. Mm. I'm really scared about some of these films now. <laughs> yeah. Next is a film which sounds like it shouldn't be an Australian movie with a title like this, but it's called Japanese Story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a... Because I think that, that's what I like about Australian cinema is we're such a multicultural place. So there are a lot of films, it's particularly so that in the last decade or two, that are focused on the stories of international people, and um, Japanese story is one of them. And I believe Tony Collette is in that as well, as she is with most Australian films. Hmm. And next, another uh, well-known Australian actor stars in this film, uh, Candy from 2006. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. another very... very yeah, it's very... Yeah. That's stars why I get Heath's yeah. best performances, and Abby Cornish as well. Both of them are heroin addicts and... Yeah, heavy, heavy, very heavy film. But he is, as always, is fantastic in that. And uh, next up is a 2009 film called Love the Beast. Oh, that's another Eric Banner one, I think. It's about a car. It's about his sort of obsession with his car. 
It's not a particularly great film. I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily seek that one out. Hmm. Okay, and next up is Ed Kelly, two thousand three. Mm. Another Heath Ledger movie, yes. Yeah, I remember that there was a lot of buzz around that because, you know, just just as a a sort of factoid behind that, the story of the Kelly gang was the first feature film made in Australia in 1906. And there's some conjecture around this, but it is considered the very first feature film ever made in history, or at least the first feature film made uh, that was released commercially. Uh, So Ned Kelly is a... Uh, a story that that means a lot to Australians. He's our sort of anti-hero bush ranger from back in the day that he robbed from the from the rich people. And he, it wasn't really a Robin Hood story. He didn't rob from the rich and give to the poor. He robbed from the rich and kept it for himself. But <laughs> he became kind of a anti-hero in in our eyes. And I think when they announced that Heath would be playing Ned Kelly and they were bringing on Orlando Bloom, who was obviously hugely popular from Lord of the Rings at the time. Um, and I think Jeffrey Brush is in that film as well. Um, that it was, it was, it was one of the, probably the m- most buzzed about Australian films, and it was a huge disappointment. It's a terrible film. I think it's quite funny that the first Australian film feature film was Ned Kelly. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> of course, it was. <laughs> it had to be on saw True Crime, didn't it? <laughs> no, we started with True Crime, and then we just kept going from there. You're like, this works. <laughs> this works, Barry. I like this. Yeah, um, and then you've all, uh, the final film on this list is one that you uh, previously mentioned. It's the Castle. Oh yeah, that's that. I think most Australians would call that their favourite Australian film of all time. It is so ridiculously beloved here. It's it's hard to describe. It's it's uh, beyond a cult classic. It's just it's hugely popular. It's on TV here all the time. People quote. People still quote that movie. People just absolutely fell in love with that film because it's really the story of you know a, an Aussie battler, as as they'd call it, and you know he's he's taking on the system. It's kind of like a damn the man kind of movie where you know the little guy is getting pushed around, and instead of just taking it, he fights back. And I think a lot of Australians can sympathize with that they can empathize they either see themselves in that character or they see people they know they've had an experience where they've had to you know they feel like they're being pushed around by the corporate world and they've always wanted to stand up and fight back and here comes this film where this this man does it and and it celebrates that so i mean it's not it's not surprising that 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 always seems to top lists of australian films particularly when it's sort of voted for by the public. It's it's hugely popular here. Well, I'm impressed. Uh, you, you're sort of uh, <laughs> seeing all of them. I, I think have, you get, yeah. You get to stay in Australia now. Oh, thank goodness. I've got my class. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not being called home. <laughs> not that you would want to come here right now. <laughs> wow. Well, um, um, I saw a film recently, actually. I can't believe it's called, but it's, I think it's quite an old film, but there's... So in Australia, it's completely bonkers. Um, I think it's from a couple of years ago, perhaps. My wife showed me it. And they're chasing kangaroos at one point. <laughs> it's quite brutal. It's quite brutal. You know, so even if you, oh, you watch this Australian film with a bunch of drunks in it and then there's, there's kangaroos and there's some gambling in it, but it's actually that's quite sinister as well. So I think I couldn't really define Australian cinema, but I can certainly see how it's constantly uh, evolving in regard to our our view of it looking mm. looking in 
Um, but I mean, you've, I've got some really, films I really like that you haven't mentioned there, and some some actors and some of the actors and directors that have come out of that country. Uh, I bet a lot of people don't realise. Mia Wasikowska, who's Australian, despite a Polish a Polish name. Uh, Brian Brown, who sort of did mm. a few American films, but he's done a lot of Australian films recently. Guy Pearce, I don't know if people forget he was in Neighbours. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. Uh, but also directors, and people know Peter Weir, but, I mean, there's a lot of um, Australian filmmakers that, again, do very well outside of outside of Australia. Uh, Philip Noyce, Gillian Armstrong, a uh, very famous director who did not get nominated in 1989 for Driving Miss Daisy. No. Bruce Bosford, Bosford, which is probably, probably not the most popular choice. But, yeah, so there's a lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of um, talent that comes out. Um, I'm not sure how Doug feels about... It just probably looks like we're stealing them, but, you know, it, it does seem that way. That There's a lot of people that... that Today's generation won't realise, but even like Tony Collette, and maybe won't even know that she's Australian if they didn't see um, mm. Muriel's Wedding, which she was just brilliant in that film. So I, I have to tell you something that happens here, which we call the tall poppy syndrome. Mm. Now, that is a, <laughs> uh, a, situ- a situation where if someone gets really successful, uh, in in this country, that that there's a, a kind of a, a strange backlash and a, a sort of a public attempt to sort of bring them back down to earth, like they've become too good for themselves, kind of thing. <laughs> and so, I have to say that that's a reason why a lot of Australian actors and directors w- not not they will obviously go overseas because there's more opportunities and things, but there's there's a, a, a sense of they want to escape this country because it can actually be quite difficult. And, and it's not in the film sense, but a classic example of that is Kylie Minogue, um, that this country absolutely turned on her, and so that's why she fled to the UK, because she was still quite beloved there in the 90s, that, that, that she wasn't met with that kind of backlash so that and that happens with actors and directors as well it's it's a very strange mentality i think it comes from a place of jealousy to be honest uh but i can i i think that's why i'm never surprised even as someone like jackie weaver who is obviously you know quite a lot older than when most people flee to america that even after Animal Kingdom, that there was this, like, bizarre backlash that she had, you know, she was selling out now, and she, she that's why she's going overseas. So I, I think then when they can sort of separate themselves from that culture, that then we start to love them again. It definitely happened with Margot Robbie, and yet the, the sort of the tide has turned back in her favour now, that we love her again and we want to claim her as her own. But when she when she showed up in Wolf of Wall Street, particularly in that kind of role, compared to what she... Because she was on Neighbours as well, um, there's that initial kind of backlash, which is a very Australian thing. Yeah, I know that most of the actors turn up in the Australian soap operas quite a bit. They do, yeah. Yeah. It's a good turn. Stepping around introduction to the industry. Um, I, I've heard interviews with a lot of them where it says, you know, it really does teach you good work ethic because working on a soap opera is very demanding. Uh, you're filming a lot of scenes in a row. You're having to learn lines on the go. Uh, and I think from everything that a lot of American productions talk about is when Australians come on set, 
they are so hardworking and they're so dedicated because they have that background of that's how it works in this country. This is this is exactly how we do things here. And I think maybe some American crews and American talent don't have that background and they maybe they that's why they prefer working with Australians perhaps. Yeah, is there something in like do you think there's something like almost like the way the act is schooled? Because if I think about the English, we've got we've got some, mm. we've got soap operas as well. Um, yeah. and they're perhaps not don't take this the wrong way, but they're not like the they're probably a little bit more serious than, than the Australian. <laughs> the high oh, yeah. But yeah. you don't see you don't see our soap actors really breaking into film as a rule. No. You see them going no. to you know, to a different soap or to a different show in the UK. <laughs> but you doesn't but with Australia you must be kind of pride with you know, that, oh, well, we, we made that. You know, there must be that kind of pride as well, almost like you're a factory where you churn out these these goods that we need for the, the industry I think to grow. From, from everything that I hear is that, like, casting directors for the soap operas here do, they don't, they really don't just hire anybody and stick them on screen. Um, they, they really do, I think they are looking for future talent and they want to give them that early opportunity, whereas... You know, I think if you're in the UK and you considered yourself a fairly serious actor or were wanting to mm. be a serious actor, you would never go into a soap opera for fear of being pigeonholed in that for the rest of your career and not being able to break out. But I think in the Australian sense, we've seen so many people go into soap operas and then become, you know, Oscar winners and award winners and things like that. So there's there's not that stigma of being on a soap. I think people look at it more as... This is this is a great launching pad for me because so many others have used it, and I think in in other places, and I mean even America is the same with their soap operas on TV. Like we've never had someone go from Bold and the Beautiful, or Young and the Restless, to being an Oscar winner. It just doesn't happen like that. But so, but here, yeah, it's it's weird that we we have that basis that it's a great starting point for so many future superstars. So what we really need to do as Filmotomy is uh, get rid of the stigma that soap actors, <laughs> soap opera actors aren't as good as real actors and, and you know, help get, you know, the you know the likes of whatever his name is, can't remember, Shane Ritchie from EastEnders, <laughs> Danny Dyer, um, you know, ne- oh, acting, yeah. acting in the next James Bond movie. Um, well. Maybe not. Okay, moving on. Um, <laughs> so... Uh, Doug, could you sort of give us your um, guess explanation into what is um, Australian film and, and what defines Australian film? Yeah, it's it's hard because I remember last year when we we had the podcast about British cinema, it was the same sort of situation where obviously in a in a technical sense, an Australian film is made by an Australian filmmaker, it's filmed in Australia, often starring Australian actors using Australian crews, written by an Australian, that kind of thing. That, in a technical sense, that's an Australian film. So something like Moulin Rouge, um, Mad Max Fury Road, Great Gatsby, those movies were filmed, written, produced here. But I think a better uh, sort of interpretation of Australian cinema is, is ones that show Australian stories, that show Australian characters, that have narratives that uh, show life, what life is like in Australia, either in the present or the past or in a different era, that sort of really capture what it is to be an Australian for so many different people. Um, and particularly in the last probably decade or so, that's sort of turned away from uh, sort of more more silly 
exaggerated fare like things like Crocodile Dundee or even Mirror Wedding or Priscilla and we're moving more into now more far more grounded films that that sort of highlight Australian stories that are relevant to now um there's you know every now and again certainly not every year but every now and again we're getting some LBGT films we're getting films that are focusing on Muslim characters and Asian characters and uh, you know, really showing that Australia is a very multicultural place now and it's not just about the Crocodile Dundee, Steve Irwin type, that we can be represented by more than just that old that old mentality of that's what Australia is. And, you know, I think we're, we're really doing a great job um, after probably having uh, a few years of a bit of a lull that, that the last couple of years has really kind of come roaring back and there's been some fantastic films the last few years that, really show what what we're capable of and as well as a sort of a snapshot of what this country is. And do you have anything that you sort of, you did mention you've got a few films that you can recommend. Yeah. Um, I'm really keen to know what those are because sort of hearing you talking about, you know, what's coming out from Australia, how it's Mm. changing is very exciting to me. Yeah, so, I mean, the last couple of years, there's been some really interesting things. I mean, something like The Babadook, which Mm. I know got quite a lot of international attention. Um, You know, it it was a twist on that we do 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 dark cinema and unsettling cinema quite well. Uh, Horror is not something we're necessarily known for, so this was great to see, and particularly to see it from a female filmmaker, which is just so exciting that we, you know... That kind of genre is so not synonymous with female film, female filmmakers, and she did such a fantastic job. Jennifer Kent is such a brilliant director. If it's in a word or it's in a look, you can't get rid of the Babadook. If you're a really clever one and you know what it is to see, then you can make friends with a special one, a friend of you and me. <laughs> His name is Mr. Babadook, and this is his book. A rumbling sound, then three sharp knocks. Ba-ba-ba-duk-duk-duk. That's when you'll know he's around. You'll see him if you look. Ba-ba-ba-duk-duk-duk. Um, the one I would absolutely implore people to uh, to seek out, which I know a lot of people, definitely a lot of Australians talk about on Twitter, is Sweet Country, which came out last year. Um, it is a brilliant film. It, it won our Best Film at the Actor Awards, which is our sort of equivalent of the Oscars for Australian cinema. Um, it is, I keep using this word, but it's another brutal film. It's quite difficult to watch. It's quite dark, but it's... Um, it's a, it's a great story about an Aboriginal man who finds a white man raping his wife and he kills the white man in self-defence and then takes off into the outback and is hunted down by uh, some white people use an Aboriginal to help track him. Mm. And it's, it's beautifully filmed. It's incredibly acted. It's, the ending is utterly breathtaking i I can't spoil it because you need to see the shock of the ending but it's i i remember at the time calling it not just sort of the best australian film of the year but probably one of the best ever made it's 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 an unbelievable film i wish you know it could have been in awards contention this year outside of our awards um 
I'm not yeah, I, I just don't think it was as accessible as what some other Australian films are that have broken through in awards season. Um, it stars Sam Neill, which, you know, obviously people know him mm. from Jurassic, Jurassic Park and Brian Brown, who Robin mentioned, um, and a great cast of Indigenous actors who most of which have never worked in act in, in in film before and but you wouldn't even tell because they're all they're all fantastic yeah i've, I've seen it and, it and it is available to stream bianca um on itunes or something for like three quid and it is one of those oh films. really yeah yeah and it's just slipped down i mean I, towards the end of the year like when i've seen most of the films and i'm waiting for the cinema you know I'll go digging for like these films that I've not seen. And my wife's really good at this. She always finds films. I'm like, what, what? I've never even heard of it. And this was one of them. And I watched it. And <laughs> I'm not, not going to say what happens, but at one point I did go, oh no, because it just, <laughs> I did, it's just even if you see something coming, it can still hit you right in the face. Yeah. Really, yeah, yeah really, like Australian perspective of like race, you know. Yeah, like he, he knows when he's what he's done is wrong, and he has to go and hide. It's just a beautifully shot as well. I mean, it, mm-hmm. yeah, really good. I've come to ask a favour. I need to uh, need to fix up my trap yard. I was wondering if you could help me. I can I can offer you rum and tobacco. No, 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 mate. We don't we don't drink here at Black Hill. We don't smoke either. Oh, okay. Well, I'm definitely seeking yeah. that out for sure. Um, do you have any others, Doug? Um, I think a lot of people may have already seen this one, but I would also recommend Two Hands, which is another film with Heath Ledger. And I can't remember if this was her debut or not. I think it might have been. It also starred Rose Byrne, who we have also lost to the world. Um, and it's it's another crime story. And Brian Brown is in this one as well, as he is with most films. Um, and it's it's really, it's entertaining and it's thrilling and it's dark and it's a really great crime story. And Heath Ledger is just incredibly charming in this film. I mean, he it really was the start of him getting attention. Um, I believe that film is kind of what led to 10 Things I Hate About You. I think it was around that era that this kind of got a little bit of attention overseas and that's kind of what launched him into the stratosphere from there. But it's it's a really, just a really solid film, like a really entertaining film. Um, yeah, I think that, that that's, that's definitely one to seek out, particularly if you like that kind of crime stuff. Uh, unfortunately, that director then went on to direct Ned Kelly and... Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what happened. It clearly, like, I don't think that was particularly his genre. He was far better at crime, crime uh, cinema. Uh, I believe he's coming back to TV next year to direct something uh, sort of gangster related. So that's far more his his scene. But um, yeah, definitely, definitely to seek out Two Hands. It's a fantastic film. And, and why do you think there's this sort of obsession in Australia about crime? <laughs> Because we're founded from convicts, you know, this is in our blood. We're, we're, we're criminals from the start. But you're right, like, when, when you really do look at it, uh, it's something that we are, are strangely focused with. And I think people just, they, it's certainly audiences here, they love those kinds of anti-heroes. They love those sort of larrikins that are cheeky and can get away with things. And 
I guess in a way there's kind of that like, oh, I wish I could do that. I wish I could be a gangster. I wish I could be a criminal. I wish I could have wads of cash and women around. And and we just we have this love of the bad guys. And I, I, the other thing is we, we, we obviously have actors that play them so well. I mean, Heath is a perfect example of that. Yeah, he can play the good guy, but then he can play the ultimate bad guy. Uh, and it's something that, that we do particularly well. And I think that's why we they, they keep coming back to it, because it, it not only works in an artistic sense, but in a commercial sense, those films do very, very well here. Well, you've mentioned t- like some films which are obviously quite heavy. You know, <laughs> uh, Is there something a little bit lighthearted? Well, I would say, and this is sort of the, the perfect two films that sort of summarise the, the 90s for, for Australian cinema, which were a great a great period after the 80s were a bit of a downer, um, <laughs> in, in Muriel's Wedding and Priscilla. Uh, those are both just joyous films. They're both incredibly funny. Um, they are so both well made. I mean, we know the costumes for Priscilla won an Oscar as it should have because those outfits are mm. absolutely nuts. The um, Muriel's Wedding is a very very simple story, but it, it it really captured the heart of the sort of every woman of Australia, not not the pristine beautiful blonde that we would see in commercials or we would see on magazines. That Tony Collette was. I'm sure she wouldn't mind me saying this, but she was, you know, the dump. She was quite dumpy. She was quite frumpy. She wasn't. And and that's the character in the film is that she's jealous of these girls in her town that have it all. And she's not one of them. You know, she, she listens to ABBA music. She has daggy fashion sense. She's, she's not the cool girl. And we hadn't really seen that in Australian cinema yet. And it, it really touched a nerve in that this is what real, women of Australia were like, this is, was a real, the real experience for real people. This wasn't some glamorized version. And then Priscilla obviously then touched into, well, Australia and particularly Sydney has a huge, huge gay population. It's a, a, a huge destination for international gay tourism. And the drag queens are sort of synonymous with that and have been for decades and decades and it was just, it was such a moment for our cinema to kind of highlight that culture uh, in such a way that didn't didn't make fun of them. It didn't, you know, satirise them. It really celebrated drag culture. And that was certainly something we weren't seeing from American cinema in mm. the 90s until they decided to rip it off with that horrible Patrick Swayze movie. Um, no. <laughs> So we were kind of on the, I think Australian cinema sometimes has that. It can be on the, the edge of something that hasn't been done before. And both of those are examples of, of definitely films that weren't being done overseas and yet we kind of showed the way. And I, I'm pretty sure Tony Collette was nominated for a Golden Globe for Mural's Wedding. Obviously we know Priscilla was nominated for an Oscar and won. And it, it, it really was a turning point in Australian cinema to be noticed internationally again after probably the 80s where we hadn't really done much to, to draw attention to ourselves. Yeah, apart from have Mad Max. Uh, <laughs> yeah. um, Robin, you're sort of an expert on world cinema. Um, um, anything yeah. you can recommend from Australia? I had a, I had a few recent films, a few classics that we've already mentioned, Somersault, uh, uh, Somersault, uh, Picnic at Hanging Rock, 
these films are like no other film. You know, perhaps only Australia can make these type of films, but you watch these films and there's no film you can compare them to. <laughs> Which is a good thing. It's a compliment. Um, three three recent films I really, really, really like. One is That's Not Me, which I've, I've written about already. Um, the comedy, Alice Fulcher and um, I think Greg Erdstein directed it. They're, they're married. And do you remember we, we interviewed the Australian uh, director who made the two short films? Oh, yes. Kate. Kate uh, Le... Lefeu, yeah. And she, Lefeu, yes. And she, yes. And she mentioned the hair and I said, oh, I, 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 uh, and recently I wrote the piece, I think, for the uh, end of year thing. Mm. I can't remember exactly, but they, they tweeted me and were like, really happy. I was like, whoa, famous. <laughs> really good about, it's basically about um, an actress whose twin sister, who you don't really see, it's just about them, the main girl, it's sort of overshadowing her, she's become famous, and people keep thinking she's her sister, and she has to, like, correct them, and she's got mm-hmm. this real, like, crummy cinema job, and Alice Fulcher is so good at it, she's so funny, she's so dry, mm. it's a really, really good film. I'm going to have to let you go. What? I'm sorry, dear, you're confusing people. But I'm the good one. Oh, there is no good one. But if there was, it would be Amy. She's the one getting all the work. Frankly, there's no point having both of you on the books. You can't offer me anything different. I could dye my hair. I'll do commercials. I have to look out for Amy's brand now, dear. That audition was embarrassing for everyone concerned. They wanted Amy and instead they got the other one. That's what they actually called you in the feedback. The other one. But I read really well. And I thought you said the sibling thing could work to my advantage, like for the Hemsworth brothers. Last year's Hounds of Love, which I think... Oh, yes, yeah. Um, Another true crime. Emma Booth in that. <laughs> yeah, the, the woman in it, Emma Booth, she's not even an actress. She's, a, I think she's like a model or something normally, but she's great in that film. Uh, that is a really, really good film. So that's something I would recommend. And also Tracks, um, yes, which is yeah. about, that's about four years ago now. But that, I love that film. Absolutely love that film. That's about Robbie Davidson, true story where she walked across Australia um, like really stubborn about it like she didn't want any help she just wants to take camels and go and it's Mia Wasikowska again and another underrated well underrated actress she's, she's she's so brilliant but that film as well so those are three films from like recent years that I would say maybe, I don't know if they represent Australia you'd have to ask Doug but I think the three very <laughs> different sides of it of Australia commonly mm. you've got the exploration which is a big Australian theme as, as well, and Hounds of Love, which is a very sort of inner city, we're back to the crime thing, the gritty, behind closed doors, this is what people do. Mm. And, uh, um, yeah, but I mean, I'm a big Peter Weir fan, I've mentioned him before, uh, he, he comes from Australia, and I, and, and I wrote about Picnic at Hanging Rock, and how he struggled, he made a short film, and then he, he tried to make that, and he struggled to make that, and then Gallipoli, and you could see him sort of climb the ladder and then he went to America and made these, like, didn't really lose his, his um, what was, I don't know what the word is really, he didn't really lose his touch. A lot of people go abroad and a lot of directors especially will go abroad and they'll just, completely different filmmakers. But Peter Weir sort of maintained his his dignity as a filmmaker and the way, the tone of his films, you know, films like Dead Poets Society and Witness. And... 
I think what we need to do as as a site is dedicate a week to Australian film. Yeah. And that will give me like the opportunity to just watch nothing. Yeah, nothing but Australian film. Around and Australia then, in a hundred films. Yes. Another um, another one I would I would point out, and this is kind of a, another sort of cult classic, is a, a film called Wake in Fright, um, which I think that might be the one that Robin was talking about before with the kangaroos, because it's about a uh, a British school teacher who gets sort of trapped in an outback town full of some very very scary people and it's a very like yeah. it's it, it, it's it's sort of a drunken he's in a drunken haze pretty much the whole movie and it's very uh it's hard to describe it's it's a film you kind of have to see but um yeah gambling and yeah it's it's this kind of like lost weekend type thing where he's just in this horrible haze for days and is desperate to get out um, and he he's kind of trapped in this horrible town. It's a terrible representation of Australia because every character is quite uh, racist and misogynist, and uh, you know the 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 real extreme examples of uh, what we call a bogan. Um, so yeah, I it's not a it's not a great film for tourism wise, but artistically it's a, it's a brilliant brilliant it's film, not, and it's, it's not another one. <laughs> no, no, it's not at all. Neither was Wolf Creek. The sequel to Wolf Creek didn't mm. treat kangaroos particularly well either. I would just want to quickly mention a documentary that I watched, um, which was uh, which was Hotel Coolgarding. I don't know if I, you know that. I I think I'm saying it right. Coolgardie about this bar in this like really small town in the middle so of nowhere. It's a gold mining town, isn't it? I, be, I think it is, yes, but mm. they have this, this bar where backpackers come and work at it for three months or so, mm. and it, it's um, these female backpackers who I believe are from some sort of Scandinavian country, <laughs> and they arrive, and all the men are like, say, flirting, but it's more like sexual harassment, really. <laughs> uh, and it was really sort of, interesting and eye-opening to see what you know um because the, the these poor women they just turn up and they don't know what to expect and you feel so sorry for them but mm-hmm. then even though the guys are kind of awful but they're, they're still i don't know kind of funny they've got a, a odd <laughs> charm to them and it's that Australian, yeah, Australian charm, like where you can deliver a line that set, that would come from someone else would sound horrible and offensive, but it's delivered with a a wink and a smile that somehow makes it okay. It is that that Australian larrikinism that yeah. we sort of get we get away with that that and and that's the thing with those sort of outback towns is that they are. I mean this in the nicest way possible, but they are stuck in the past. <laughs> that they they just they they. They are so remote, they are so isolated that 21st century culture uh, just hasn't reached them. That, they, that that's just not the way they are. They are they like being stuck in their ways. And as something like that documentary would show, unfortunately, that's in a time when men would treat women as objects, even if it's done in a playful, cheeky tone. That that's just how life was, you know, 20, 30 years ago. And they're still living that life now. They're not aware of the Me Too movement. They're not aware of the internet or Twitter or, 
you know, anything like that, that there are so many places. So if you were to drive around Australia, you would find so many places that feel like relics from the past, which I'm sure you know, most countries have that in that they have these towns that are just set in their ways and they'll never change. Well, um, when we go do the film ought to be grand tour of Australia, <laughs> we'll have to check it out and uh, see how it is. Maybe they've learned their lesson. I think the documentary <laughs> helps, uh, you know, shine a light on them. Shine a light. Mm. Yeah, but yeah, exciting. I can't wait. I can't wait to do the the Australian week. Add that to the list of things to do, Robin. Yeah, I mean, as soon as the, as soon as the Oscars are done, with, I think we need to go back to the you know the years and the directors. The, mm. the countries again because all the films you've recommended there I'll, I'll link to them see if they're available to stream and you know try and push oh, good. To yeah. see, I mean sweet country especially because it's it's, oh, God, it's, yeah. it's like from this year or from yeah. maybe last year in your case but yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's right there just watch it you know